what I like most about telling stories is kind of making characters and making interesting characters. Mm -hmm. It's because there's, and this is real human experience too, but everyone, their life leads them to what they are. I don't know Mm -hmm. if I said that as nicely as I wanted to, but you know what I'm trying to Mm -hmm. say? Um, life experience makes you who you are today. So, and it it's continuously, it never stops because you're always, you're always, you're always, always experiencing something. Yeah. And so you're always changing ever so slightly until now you look back, like we were saying earlier, looking back four years, you're like, damn, like I was a stupid kid in college just wanting to drink every day. And now, I mean, maybe I still drink every day. <laughs> no, <I'm not laughs> but for kidding. different reasons. Yeah, for different reasons. No, I don't drink as much as a yeah. joke. Um, <laughs> but no, you know what I mean? So like it's always changing and just being able to put that into a story. Mm-hmm. I think it's so fascinating because it's that's real. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now it's obviously, and you know, I'm not taking 20 years to tell this story. It's you know, it's happening in two hours or however long. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a real thing, and so you can't you can't look at someone and say that person comes from here, so that makes them this. You know what yeah. I mean? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. I'm your host, Eric Wenzel, as always. And Feeding Curiosity is a podcast all about exploring the precarity of human experience and think, question, and synthesize wherever your curiosity takes you. In today's episode, we are joined once again by returning guest and one of my closest friends, Jordan Chris. And in this episode, we kind of dive into a little snippet of what he said in the St. Ripley episode, which was creating with a purpose. And I summarized that really well because I've been thinking about it a lot. And this is not to say that entertainment, so we're really talking about movies, TV shows, like anything you consume that people kind of consider mindless, right? Netflix, binge watching, all that. And what he says is as a writer and screenwriter and movie aficionado is creating with a purpose so that you can embed things inside of the, whatever you're creating, the stories you're telling that get people to think and opt into the broader problems at life, large life, that too. And it's just a really awesome conversation. And as always, we go deep and we kind of just talk about a lot of different movies that have affected us and make us think. And I think it should show why the stories we share and the stories we tell go deeper than just what is being shown on screen. There's so many layers to peel back here and nuance, and that's just kind of how I like to look at the world in general. There's more nuance, or if we're going to go with the Transformers reference, there's more than meets the eye. So with that, everyone, please enjoy this conversation with Jordan Chris. Welcome back to Feeding Curiosity, everybody. Join again with Man, the Myth, the Legend. Uzumaki Naruto. Oh, shit. No, <laughs> the, the fifth Hokage? Yeah, right. <laughs> seventh. Seventh? seventh? Whatever. Something like that. Seventh, yeah. No, I'm not. It's uh, Jordan. <laughs> I, I was like, I saw the twitch in your face as I was doing the Man, the Myth, and you, I'm like, oh, no, he's going to say gonna something. I'm going to say something stupid. <laughs> I was like, what can I say? It's the stupidest thing. Yeah. yeah. Nate, from your Instagram roast today about me being late to the gym yeah yeah they uh, went off yeah. on you <laughs> yeah apparently jordan's superman now yeah so for context Wenzel said oh always waiting on jordan my response was well the hero always arrives last mm-hmm. and nate goes oh you must be superman because yeah yeah well we're gonna run with, or you're gonna run with that one yeah no, yeah um 
Yep. <laughs> I'm Superman then. If that if that lets me be late with, with no one saying anything, that's fine. I'll be Superman. Well, you better be able to blink and you'll be there then. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, I'm late, but I'm here now. Fine. Yeah, but uh, that's that's how it happens. Like, I'm here now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's fitting that you brought up Nate because part of the reason this conversation is happening. One, we haven't talked in a little while because of all the life events that have happened. Friends getting married and... Yeah. What not? Yeah, what's up? Congrats. Congrats to Mike, by yep. the way. Mike and Mary. They've yep. both been on the podcast separately, which yeah. is kind of funny. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, it it's been a kind of a crazy couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. But we you did say something that I, we wanted to build upon uh in in St. Ripley's episode, which was kind of talking about how it's easy to opt out in today's culture because there's just so much information coming our way yeah. and we all have to have jobs and make money, unfortunately, right? Necessary evil. Mm -hmm. And that being the case is like when Netflix has become this cultural phenomenon of like, how fast did you binge watch the newest season of something? Stranger Things. Right. That's like the most recent one Mm -hmm. or or Game of Thrones now that it's over and stuff like that. And and so then your your kind of caveat to it and, and almost like an antidote to it was that it's even more important now for writers and creatives who create in any media that mm-hmm. people consume, be it music, film, audio, mm-hmm. we're part of this genre, I guess, yeah, technically, right. <laughs> yeah. uh, is to have a purpose or a meaning behind what you're doing. Like, it should be entertaining, obviously, or people right. aren't going to watch it, but exactly. you, you should embed something in it that makes people think yeah. further. And I really, I was like, damn, that's really freaking cool. Yeah. And it's, it's cool because I feel like most, <clears throat> excuse me, most, if not all, you know, people who are doing some sort of, you know, art or any kind of media outlet, mm-hmm. they all have that in mind. You know what I mean? They all take it one layer deep. Yeah. Or yeah. More than one layer deep. Yeah. Like I can't think of many screenwriters, for example, that just put out anything with no purpose. You know what I mean? I feel like it won't work. You know yeah. what I mean? Who would want to like at a deeper level who wants to pay attention to that? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, if you you just kind of look at the stories that kind of capture people's attention, right? Like, yeah. the people who wrote those initially wasn't saying, oh, I'm going to write this and it's going to be big in the sense that they wanted it to be popular, right? Like, right. broad stroke popular. Mm-hmm. They wrote it because, it, like, it meant something to that person because it was speaking something through them right. that they resonated with. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, I'm not the only one that resonates with this topic or... Yeah you know, this problem that we're mm-hmm. trying to grip with. And I think sci-fi is really good for this as a yeah, genre. really makes you, like, just makes you think. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it's almost like you're exploring, like, the world that it, the way it could be or the way that it, it a better way it could be, I guess. Yeah. In, or a worse way. Or worse way. Yeah. I think the worse way is kind of some of the more fun stuff. That's why yeah. Black Mirror is kind of mm-hmm. one of our little cultural favorites. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's more what kind of, engages people like seeing what could happen in a negative sense Mm -hmm. um people just like seeing the the bad things you know um yeah exactly like something like you know black mirror even when it's more specific to like a singular character like i always go back to this but like breaking bad you know what i mean like oh you show what like the progression of evil or like that's the easy way to describe it but there's so many more layers to that show yeah (laughs) it's like you just it's not like you wake up one day and you're like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, rob this train for, you know, a specific um, analogy. But it's something that, you know, takes years, you know what I mean? Days and days and all this stuff that goes on and everything mm-hmm. that kind of compiles together. 
um and it's it, that's what makes it interesting to me because it's like this guy really was genuinely a good person mm-hmm. at the well you can make the case that he was genuinely not a good person so whatever side of the coin you want to look at it but at the beginning of the show he generally was <coughs> a good person an just, average person <coughs> yeah. at the very least it doesn't yeah, mean just, he's good or bad it's just kind of yeah, he was there. Someone you think of that, yeah. like you could see that kind of person, and all of a sudden he's thrust the, uh, upon these choices mm-hmm. that become morally questionable, right? right. <laughs> yeah, and he, I mean, he gets hit. Like you know, one day he wakes up, and all of a sudden he has lung cancer. You know what I mean? So he has a decision to make, and those decisions progressively get worse and worse, and he's going the wrong direction. And mm-hmm. it's it's really cool to see. So you know, the vision there is like. What could happen from someone who take Walter White, who was just kind of in the cycle and kind of going through things and maybe not necessarily. I mean, you can relate this to like us in the real world, but like mm-hmm. not just kind of doing what you have to do at that time to get by. Not necessarily doing too much, but just paying attention to you and your family and doing things. Yeah. And how easy it is to, you know, get thrown astray. Yeah. And that's what it does really cool because it really is more or less that easy you know it's like a domino mm-hmm. effect of just things that happen yeah that's what i really liked about it is, is it is it it's almost kind of the the oh my god what is the what is the opposite of a hero anti-hero story Anti, yeah uh, i was like dick i'm like how, why did, of all <laughs> freaking things i couldn't remember um but it's like the story of the anti-hero but instead of putting it from the perspective of the outsider looking in you get to see what his decision making is like mm-hmm. and how he kind of justifies his his under his understanding of the world to mm-hmm. be able to make those decisions right because in his eyes it's the best decision for him at that moment and then the decisions just escalate further and further down yeah. and it's not until you take the thousand foot view mm-hmm. and you're like oh he like went yeah he went you know if you just you know blanket it he's middle of the road mm-hmm. when the story starts and then over time he's slowly drifting one way and then this, yeah. the reason the story ends is, is kind of like this thing it's like oh wow yeah look at this character's you, yeah, you see it and what's interesting um is that it's not lost my train of thought so well i'll start here so when you're looking at it from the outside and you're like wow he actually does suck like in that last season when like yeah. everything shifts you know what i mean and you finally Where he feels realize, more like the the, the villain. Yeah, of fi- the story. finally. But yeah. you never really felt that up until that point. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But the cool thing is, they took you on that journey where it's like you're rooting for him. So it's kind of almost like yes. you're making those decisions yeah. too. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and it's it's so weird because like when we're spoiling it, you should have seen it at this point. But like when he <laughs> was watching Jane choke to death. Mm-hmm. That scene, like, when I first saw it, you're like, obviously, that was an emotional scene. It was like, mm-hmm. wow, that's intense. But you aren't really, like, you don't give up on him. Like, you, yeah. you're not, you don't like, oh, this dude sucks. I'm done with him. You know what I mean? After, like, the next episode, he's still like, oh, I hope he gets it. You know what I mean? Whatever. Yeah. I hope he or gets he comes back. Yeah. Or- yeah. And you just kind of for- completely forget that he just let someone die who, mm-hmm. you know, someone that is close to him really cares about. He just let him die. That's like one of the worst possible things you can do in real life. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's, like, easy to write that character off in particular because she's a drug addict yeah, and, and all this stuff. So yeah. so even as an outsider looking in, you're kind of like, well, she shouldn't be doing drugs. Yeah. Right? Like, and, like even your own th- thought process starts to kind yeah. of And they do just it. they do just enough to make you dislike her right before it happens. Yep. You notice that. So when yep. she first came into the show, she was, like, you know, this, you know, pretty girl, you know what I mean? She was bubbly, had a great personality, and, like, 
warm. I would say like describe her as a warm character. And then like they hit you with the dark side that she's mm-hmm. a you know prior heroin addict or whatever. And then you know that she meets with Jesse and stuff, and she kind of has this shift where she turns on Walt. She's like, "No, we're taking our half of the money." And at that point, you as a viewer are like, oh, she's not taking Walt's money. What the fuck? Who is that? You know what I mean? Yeah, because so like, it's Walt's story, not her story. Yes. So he, so yep. it's like you're attacking the mm-hmm. character you're rooting for, even yeah. though he's not making the best decisions. Right. And so they turn you <laughs> against her right before that happens. So I it's kind of like morally that. in your head. You're like, yeah, Walt. But then you're like, damn, that's still. Fun. So like you're morally conflicted mm-hmm. as a viewer. So you know what I mean, and to build on that, one of the interesting things that always goes back to me is like this this thing of like the repercussions that Walt has has larger repercussions throughout the world mm-hmm. and because of that you know inadvertent su- like suicide overdose mm-hmm. that Walt could have stopped her father spirals mm-hmm. and he's an air traffic controller yep. and because he's like going through a depression after it and that's the way I think the season ends and starts yeah mm-hmm. uh, with the the explosion over the over the neighborhood yeah. of the airplanes crashing into each other and I was like oh my god so here's this guy who's just making these decisions mm-hmm. you know that are pretty selfish yeah. you know support well supporting his family right that's yeah that's what I was gonna say yeah it, it's not selfish in that regard but it's kind of selfish it's it's a hundred percent selfish yeah. but he tries to he like scapegoats it with his there you family, go that's you know the best I mean? way to put it yeah and and, and yeah the, i guess the the veil is for him it's he's just like it's i'm doing it for my family i'm doing it for my family i'm doing it mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and just to just to see that like all of a sudden the decisions he's making are now endangering people at a scale that it's like wait what the hell yeah <laughs> it's like, and you can justify that because it's for your family and it's even i mean Skylar- i wonder did they ever notice like did he ever like recognize that he caused that at all so just he, he kind of cast it off and then after that i don't know if it comes back up again but okay. um the part that i remember is when there was a school there was like a school um what are those called meeting uh, pep rally yeah but oh, i mean yeah. you know like the whole school was there and it was yeah. in the gym yeah like, meet whatever whatever you want to call it it's not a pep rally but that kind of gets the image yeah where the entire school is there um but he's you know they have him talk about it and he's really like you know we just gotta move on like he's really just like it's not a big deal just move on and everyone's like dude all these people just died you know what i mean like what do you mean yeah. just move on and it's like people are saying like body parts are falling on their houses and he's like just stop worrying about it just move on it's over so he was i think he was more trying to convince himself yeah that it's just That's like forget about it more than everyone else and everyone's like it's a really weird way to look at it man but in his head he knows he caused it mm-hmm. so i think he's really struggling but trying to lie and convince himself you know what i yeah. mean it's like he's talking to the audience but mostly to himself <laughs> yeah. yeah and like but at that point you can listen and you're kind of like yeah i don't know man that's a big deal <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. that's not something it's, that especially, you just forget about that's the one thing i find interesting about movies movies more so than books or other forms of audio or uh, entertainment is you get a broader scope of the the narrative than what at least well actually more in tv shows you get a broader scope of what the overarching world looks like Mm -hmm. than the actual characters themselves yeah so you can kind of look at the decisions being made in context of all the other characters because there's information that not everybody knows right and so you're able to be like i don't know about this Mm -hmm. like you're you're walking into fuzzy territory here guy like (laughs) that's that's what's cool about shows where i almost partially almost like shows better than movies i agree just because you can you have more freedom well not freedom but 
time ultimately to Ta- like time in general yeah to build a world like completely you know what i mean and mm-hmm. so you can take you know one decision that happens three seasons ago mm-hmm. and kind of show how it like little ripple effects happen and show that does that really well too is like sons of anarchy really yeah i don't know if you've watched i've that. watched i think three seasons or four seasons of that i haven't finished yeah. it so really it's a really good show it gets a little dark and like gory for my taste towards the end does it but yeah but ultimately it's really really it good it's pretty hard like I remember getting to, like, the prison part where they had to, like, yeah. sacrifice somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, spoilers. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't watched... <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you haven't watched these shows... It's been sorry. enough time. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it's been enough time. Yeah. But, yeah, like, it's one of those things that I... I I do really enjoy that, where they, they keep the continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be a super critique for a lot of the... Um, so AMC and a lot of the other... Ne- like, uh, not outside of the normal cable mm-hmm. um, domain. Yeah. The, the, where they do like the 25 episode seasons. Yeah, right. I think those ones are not done as so well compared to the shorter, like 12 to the more 13. concise. Yeah they, they, yeah, they just know the storyboard and the plan of the, the, the story they're trying to tell, I think. Yeah. They just think through it more because, and this comes from John Tenuto, who is on the podcast, and he, he kind of criticizes pop culture's way of like writing right now and storyboarding. Oh, really? Where the, the arc that is painted over the, like seasons on, he criticized Breaking, not Breaking Bad, sorry. Uh, he criti- say what? <laughs> he, he criticized Big Bang Theory. Oh, okay. Where the character development is like, everything is super fast cut. Mm-hmm. So you never have the characters actually acting on screen for longer than a couple seconds, just for attention span mm-hmm. reasons. Whereas like older style movies is like really long, like two characters on screen interacting, you know, line by line. Yeah. And there's really not a lot of cuts right. in between each. And then the other thing is that instead of a lot of modern TV will will waste a lot of time breaking up an arc like into five episodes when it maybe could have done been done in one. Oh, uh, okay. Like it's just kind of telling telling a story better, or or it's like between seasons. So like season one was about this story, mm-hmm. and then season two starts, and all of a sudden all of that character development gets chucked out the window because new writers and directors and people who want to take the reins of it and be like, I want to put my own spin on it, yeah. and then they, you know, chop up the character, and all of a sudden it's like, wait, where where the character I liked go? Right. Like now they're acting completely different, and it's like there was this eight month window of like oh, everything is gone. Like right. now you have to relearn your this tv show again mm-hmm. yeah that's that's what i feel sometimes with like unnecessary twists yeah I mean? exactly that's what i was thinking too yeah like when writers try to and i the i night Shyamalan. yeah i guess i mean he he's a good writer very good writer <laughs> right. so i don't want to i don't want to bash well, him, I, I only bring that up because it's kind of like our joke when it comes to just the, the talking twist, about yeah. the twists the, yeah. but that was more like in the like middle 2000s like yeah. 2010 or so i would say yeah i can't i mean even the I haven't seen the third, uh, what is it called? Glass movie, or okay, is that no, yeah? It's called Glass, right? It's called Glass. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. Um, I watched it. It's pretty good. I liked it. Yeah. It's a, it's kind of an interesting take on the superhero uh, mythology. I guess right. it's it kind of puts it into a psychological thriller. Yeah, and I really liked um, Split. Split was cool, and, and like that so- character is just so freaking interesting to me yeah i forget james, what's it james james mcavoy, McAvoy? Yeah. yeah so dude he has not gotten enough props for that performance not to play that many different person at like <laughs> i don't know he needs like the utmost it's props. so freaking cool yeah i'm like dude that's hard like to play one other person like to like to be able to act as someone else 
is hard enough. He yeah. acted as however many different it's like people. Twenty-two you know what I mean? different personas. Yeah, and I was like, and they were all believable. You know what I mean? And it's, it's like the way crazy. it's like the simple shifts too, like how he'll like take the like his demeanor. Yeah, his posture in the mover, changes. The posture yeah. changes, or he'll take like an overshirt and like throw it around like a scarf, so mm -hmm. he's playing like a female persona. Yeah, he'll like just kind of it's just these little micro expressions yeah. that like really push. The, the the believability of the different characters are like when he plays as the little boy yeah they're like the the seven i think year old i think mm -hmm. is and he like kind of gets like playful like he, like, and shrinks like, himself yeah like I mean? shrinks himself and it's crazy i'm like doing all the little postures right now just for those yeah. of you there's no video <laughs> yeah. but it's just like when i watched especially split i didn't i thought it was gonna be more horror-esque yeah and that's it really wasn't like yeah. that's how the trailers kind of described it mm -hmm. as and it wasn't actually as horror-esque as I was expecting it and it was way more like psychological yeah and you're kind of you're almost like you said you're rooting for him a little bit because you're like I just he's like you kind of as you learn the story you're like oh man I kind of feel bad for him like yeah. it's not his fault he's the way he is right and it's like it's just an interesting character so I think that's mm -hmm. where like the part where you want to root for him comes mm -hmm. and that's another important part of screenwriting is making likable characters and he was mm -hmm. a very for I mean evil person yeah but like you know what i mean but he was still a likable character it's like even personas of the like different personas of that specific character yeah. were likable yeah compared to the other ones like you you kind of like didn't like personas toward the end yeah i'm trying to keep this you, vague yeah so for those of you should go listen or watch it because yeah. it's interesting enough to go <laughs> yeah like the, there was ones that you didn't like and ones that you liked and you were kind of hoping that there would be like a redemption to mm -hmm. him at the end yeah and I, then I definitely agree whatever pans out panned out but uh mm -hmm. no that it was super interesting and then at the end when they threw in the twist that that it wasn't really a twist but it was just kind of like oh i wouldn't have seen that coming mm -hmm. like they just i don't know if anyone saw that coming where they like <laughs> made like oh this is really a sequel you know what i mean it was yeah like, i didn't oh i didn't know <laughs> yeah it was i don't really... think even m night Shyamalan knew because so unbreakable is technically the first movie in that trilogy yeah and that came out in 99 yeah. or so yeah a while ago it's a while ago and that one's pretty interesting too. It's like it's again more less psychological and more well, yeah, it's still psychological. No, yeah. Still psychological. Um, but it's a really it's all very practical. Like you mm -hmm. don't really there's not a lot of effects, there's not a lot of craziness. It's kind of just makes you think. Yeah. At the end of the day. Yeah. And it kind of makes you question because it's even funnier now looking at it in context with the way the world shifted with comic books and superheroes. Mm -hmm. So it's like almost a juxtaposition to kind of watch these movies yeah. compared to being like, here's this version of superheroes mm -hmm. where it's all overblown and yeah, you know, capes and, and yeah. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have this real down the earth and everyone's kind of like, is it real? Yeah. And even the characters themselves who are, have the powers are kind of like, am I crazy? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I really, I mean, I really enjoyed those movies. I still need to see glass. It's worth watching, out, but um, if just to finish the trilogy at the very least, right. You know, and kind of, it, it does, I, I will say it does make you think, about this stuff in a different way mm -hmm. um, with like superhero stuff. And it's part of the idea that I had as part of why I brought up that idea about the superhero stuff when you're talking about your mask piece, um, because it was kind of like, what if, what if superhero wasn't the fact that it was, you actually had powers. It was more in your head. And by putting on the mask, it made you feel like you had a mm. psychological safety blanket that you could, could have powers. Right. right? Yeah. And so then you kind of go there, but then the twist is is that this person is just in a mental institute and they're just creating these stories mm -hmm. as they tell their therapist or something yeah, like and they're, that. Yeah, they make believing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, I mean that kind of goes back to 
like a writer saying something, but like in a superhero esque genre or mm-hmm. whatever, it's hard to have real substance. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, where is he as uh, the substance in any of the Avengers movies necessarily? Yeah, it's like it's really hard to pin down, right? Yeah, and they they throw a little bit in there, like these characters have their journeys and stuff like that mm-hmm. that they have to overcome. So it's there, but it's it's really more or less just a like the hero's journey. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is it is it hard, at least in specific case for Avengers, that all of the characters on sc- like there's so many like in quotation marks main characters mm-hmm. on screen that it's almost like they have to have all these little micro stories yeah. embedded into it, which takes away from the whole shebang mm-hmm. basically because you you know everyone has their favorite character right and yeah. so if if the people with those favorite characters don't see a point where their character is like kicking ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're, they're like, going to be a little upset. Yeah, it's like, like, hey. you know what I mean? <laughs> so I, they do it justice. They give everyone their moment to shine. But mm-hmm. at least for with a movie like that, that's such a crossover. Yeah. Any, I mean, nothing really that scale has been done before. But yeah. specifically for that one and stuff like that, what I try to do is figure out who, at least I think, is the main protagonist. Yeah. Just because it makes it it makes it easier for me to follow the story, yeah. and so everything else is kind of supplemental in to react, that. yeah, supplemental in mm-hmm. reaction to the main story. So to me, the main protagonist was Tony Stark. Yeah, I agree with that one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I, think mo- I think most people would agree with that. Mm-hmm. With kind of a toss up between that and Captain America. Right. Yeah, I was gonna say this. <laughs> it's one of them two for sure. It's really hard to argue that. Maybe mm-hmm. Thor, you can make the argument, but I really think it's one of them too. Captain yeah. America or Iron Man. Thor could maybe be like, you know, the the sidekick or yeah. the, the fan favorite, I guess, because yeah. it seems like everyone kind of likes Thor, and then it's yeah, Tony Stark and uh, Tony Stark and Captain America, kind of the two yeah, which leading the, characters, yeah, the Team Stark or Team yeah, whatever you know what I mean. With the Civil War, it was so worked so well because it was like you have the two protagonists, mm-hmm. whoever side you want to be on, and you just decide, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think that's what they were going for. It's really seen, especially with how yeah. it ended. It kind of seemed that way. Oh yeah. Cause they had to, they had to do the legitimate passing the torch there Yeah, with so, both of them deciding mm-hmm. that they're out. Yeah. So it, <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. So it made sense. And I think that's the only way, cause if you don't have, to me, that's like your foundation or like your core and mm-hmm. like it has to revolve around something. So like, so, which is why something like, uh, I said like Spider-Man three. The, in the, the first the first one Toby first Mo- Toby Maguire yeah why Spider-Man 3 didn't work not because there was too many protagonists there was just too many antagonists it felt like there was too many storylines they were trying to pull yeah, together yeah because they you didn't know who to focus you didn't mm-hmm. know who the nemesis was you know what I mean because like, you who, had Sandman mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Goblin character which was Harry yeah. and then you had Venom yeah and so you're like you had three different like story arcs that were all like interwoven and done yeah. they kind didn't, of eh. they did not need to be there, it was pick one it was exactly they could <laughs> even two even if it was yeah. Sandman and Harry that right. that could have worked but throwing Venom in for the last like I mean Venom was only I think they only Toward showed the Venom in the it last was mostly because like, he was hour. wearing the last like the outfit for most of the movie or something yeah like but that. it was so like. You can't do that to people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like for you being such a Spider-Man I fan, know. I'm sure you were geeking out about Venom being in a movie. And, and then it, to get like a little 15, 30 yeah, minute it, tease. I just didn't think they even did it all that well either. It was yeah, pretty, it was, it was a little, dis- it was, for me, it's a lot disappointing. Yeah, More it, than a little. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was It was too much. It was too much put in. I still will say that Spider-Man 2 for that, Tobey Maguire, awesome. It was, I think that's <laughs> still the best one. 
Probably. To be honest. It's close, yeah. yeah. If it's not the best, it's like top three, I yeah. would say. It's, that was really good. Um, so c- kind of staying in the same genre of like old school movies that kind of shifted genres mm-hmm. or created new paradigms, um, let's just talk about the Christian Bale Batman. <sighs> because that is, we could go all day, yeah. and especially the second one with The Dark Knight and Heath Ledger. Because I think that, that series of, of superhero movies transplanted a character that everyone just kind of assumed was this, you know, kind of, cu- you know, crime fighter. And you kind mm-hmm. of think of the old school one where it was like the pow. And yeah, it was like goofy. Right, it was, it was kind of goofy, like funny, right, with yeah. Batman and Robin. Yeah. And the Christian Bale and um, I'm blanking on the director. Christopher uh, Nolan. Nolan, yeah, there we go. Um, Nolan is, is just a, a monster when it comes to creating believable grittiness yeah. in, in screenwriting. And they said, they took this character and basically said, Let's make him real. Let make it dark, yeah. and let's not pull any punches. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and I think what makes it really interesting for me is that you can kind of believe it, right? And especially because Batman is not a like he's not a superhero in the sense that he has superpowers. Yeah, he just happens to be this billionaire with a a vigilante uh, spin where mm-hmm. he feels like he needs to do something right even though he already has a, a quite a bit of power right being a billionaire but right <laughs> it's just i don't know it's one of those movies that's just so fascinating to me and just the way they do it with all the realism is is fascinating i know you read the screen screenplays oh, on it so, awesome. so you can really pick this apart yeah and kind of uh, talk about it they're so okay so that i don't think any like adaption mm-hmm. in that vein so specifically superhero movies but really any adaption will be done that well. Yeah. Um, because one, they didn't, I mean, they followed the storyline. You know what I mean? Like everything stayed more Especially or less Especially with the true. first movie. The first movie was super origin. Yeah. Kind of. It just You just figure it out. Like, right. here's and, Batman. Yeah. And then, but you've never even seen like how he became, at least to my knowledge, how he actually became Batman. No, they I mean? never like paint it like where they show the. Yeah. They kind of did, they did it in flashbacks for yeah. the most part. Yeah. But it's like, this fun. happens and then this is what you got. You know what I mean? Yeah. But anyway, it, I'm just, I can't, I think <laughs> those are my favorite movies to be honest, mm-hmm. just cause I'm like, they just did such a wonderful job with this, but to take that character who before had been, you know, seen as kind of like goofy or not necessarily taken too seriously, or mm-hmm. even like with the one with uh, Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson. Yeah. When Jack Nicholson, Nick, yeah. Nicholson was the Joker. Like even that was like, and the one with Arnold Schwarzenegger and, uh, that was, who was that? Who's the lead? Jim Carrey, I think was Jim Carrey was in it. Who would play Batman? Oh my God. Was it George Clooney? Yes. In that one? Yes. George Clooney? Yes. I hated that one, but (laughs) (laughs) that's my, that's my point is like, so you go from that being Mm -hmm. the last attempt at creating Batman. Yeah. And then you go to this whole new genre. Yeah. Of movie style. Yeah. To me, it's like they stripped down all the layers and were like, okay, what is this story? Mm-hmm. It's a story about someone who's went through trauma mm-hmm. in their life, seemingly has everything, but experiences, loses everything at the same time. Because mm-hmm. everything to that character was yeah, his family. He's like a six-year-old boy. Yeah. So has everything because he's rich, you know what I mean? And everyone has that stigma. Like, oh, he's rich. What could he want? Well, he lost his everything. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And then finds you know, has this ambition because you can't have a good character that doesn't care. You know, it right, just doesn't, yeah. if you have a character that's like, eh, <laughs> I'll do it tomorrow. It's like, that's not interesting. You know right. I mean? So you have this ambitious, you know, highly intelligent, you know, willful character. And he's like, 
no, an, an injustice was done. An injustice was done to me. So now I have to figure out how to take, you know, reciprocate that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And at first it was very selfish. It seems at least in the Batman Begins, it was very selfish where he was like, this person's got to go down because of what he did to me all those years ago. Yeah, like connected to those crime families. or Right. And so it was selfish. It was him, him, him. But then, um, you know, the sidekick who is Rachel. Yeah. She's, I feel like she's more of a sidekick. And at least in the first movie than Alfred was. Because she started, you know, him being like, oh, no, this is, there's a bigger picture. Yeah, here. like you're turning into a symbol now. Yeah. You're not just yeah, like on a crusade for yourself. This right. is <laughs> and that scene, so I read it in the, when I was reading the screenplay, that scene pointed out to me. I think I would say that's the most important scene mm-hmm. in the whole series because after he goes to, um, he goes to like a, a press conference or something or the, the hearing where the guy is going to, you know, get his sentencing or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever exactly was going on. And he was going to shoot him, but someone else shoots him. Yeah. Remember that scene. Yeah. He, he, Cause he's like, he's like, Oh, he's going to get away free because he's got the best lawyers or whatever. Right. And he's like, the system doesn't change or right. doesn't put the correct people behind bars because they're working within the system to pull. Right. <laughs> so like, yeah. Cause he was going to snitch. That's what it was. Yeah. He was going to snitch. So Falcone's guys were going to put him down before yeah. he could snitch. So, Bruce, I mean, he had, he literally could have went the Walter White direction or the Batman direction, you know what I mean? (laughs) And, you know, he got saved in a sense. And then he kind of saw the bigger picture by Rachel saying, like, showing him what Gotham really was and kind of telling him, like, there's more to this. Don't be selfish, more or less, was what I got from it. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I thought that was interesting because, like, now that you're talking about it, it kind of, it puts that in perspective, like, why the way the second movie ends, right? So mm -hmm. the Joker is this amazing character which we can talk about forever yeah. uh, which we'll probably get into in a second but yeah. <laughs> like the way the second movie ends though where it's like the corruption of harvey dent's character into two-face where it's like here's the shining example of someone who's you know doing everything for the right reasons changing things you know doesn't have to put the mask on so to yeah. speak and then he's twisted into this character that has horrible judgment, yeah. you know, and everything is, is a chance, right? Yeah. You flip the coin yeah. and and then he he takes the fall, right? But then Batman, knowing he's a symbol for something, right? He absorbs the the, the pain, right? He's the one who, who causes the problem. And mm-hmm. he, he sacrifices the symbol of what Batman was to save the symbol of Harvey Dent. Yeah. So literally, <laughs> it's you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become a villain. It was literally the whole movie. Was, <laughs> I didn't even. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> it's li- yeah. So they. I love that they put that in there. And, oh man, I never even connected that. Yeah, they put the premise right in there. Like they're like, this is what this movie's about. You know what I mean? Um, so I thought that was really cool how they played it out. And I mean, I didn't realize I wasn't really into the comics like that. But I'm. You might have known or whoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't realize Harvey Dent. Was Two Face? Yeah, I knew that. Yeah, going into it, it was. It was more, what's more interesting for me is how do they make it believable on screen? Right, how he becomes Two Face, and I yeah. thought I was surprised, and I was like, oh, but it wasn't like a twist where I was like, wow, that was stupid. I was like, oh, that made sense. You yeah, know I mean? exactly. Like it, yeah, it was like they built it up so well that I was like, yeah, they really. This guy did everything right, and then they just tore him down, you know, all at once, and he. It's you know, so cool. Yeah, I love that one. Yeah, they did that so well, and it was like all because you know, of this dichotomy between the Joker and Batman. What, like, literally, it wasn't even that the Joker was, I mean, he was, but, like, not necessarily in direct opposition of Batman. He just wanted to tear down. It's the opposite of ideals. Yeah. Whereas, whereas like, if Batman is about 
goodness and order and staying within a boundary, mm-hmm. the Joker is chaos, period. Yeah. He's just, yeah. he, he doesn't, their life has no meaning. Mm-hmm. People have no meaning. Money doesn't have any power. Yep. And you, he's just, is in direct opposition for everything Batman stands for. Yeah. And all he exists for is to see if Batman can break. Right, exactly. Because <laughs> So it's literally like, the so it is a dichotomy. The mm-hmm. Joker wants to prove that he can, you know, people, everyone can break, no matter who mm-hmm. they are. Batman has a, a symbol as someone who has, you know what I mean? And Batman's like, no, I feel like the exact opposite. Everyone has goodness in them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But Joker's like this. Well, and Joker's wall. thing was like, you know, hit me. Like, yeah. The, that whole thing is, Batman has one rule. He doesn't kill people. Mm-hmm. And so the entire movie is him trying to get Batman to be so angry yeah. that he will kill him. Yeah, he doesn't care. It's all part of his plan. So even when he's getting his ass beat, it's like that's all bad. Like in the interrogation room, he's getting his ass beat and he's laughing because it's part of his plan. He's like, you're not going to kill me. Like right. beat my ass, but like I'm winning. You know what I mean? It's like, like no matter the harder you try, the more I win. Yeah, it was like that whole scene. What I love is because it was such a, it was such like. Um, and the lighting in that room too is the, like. Lighting was awesome. All that stuff. Nick would probably nerd out about yeah. that. But like, um, it was just such a sense of who had the control mm-hmm. in that scene. And it shifts like like that. You know what I mean? So it starts off where like Joker, like you see like he lost the control because he finally got caught. So you're like, yeah. all right, so here's Gordon, right? And then Joker starts, you know, being witty. And all of a sudden Batman's there. And you're like, oh, shit. Batman's got the control until the conversation keeps going. And you're like, oh, so it like shifts so like effortlessly the tug of war between yeah. the characters exactly you know what i mean and yeah. it's all i'm like dude that was so seamless and it wasn't forced you know what i mean it was so just it just happened and i feel like i mean we can talk about heath ledger all day because i know shit he <laughs> like, doesn't get enough he does not get enough credit and but he the thing is he gets so much credit and yeah it's still, like not enough <laughs> you know what i mean like it's crazy i he, know i'm like i just read this thing the other day where he apparently like got a whole motel room and locked himself in the motel and just i heard like, about just this. to practice his voice and i i don't know if i read this but he was like like really dep- deprivating himself yeah yeah deprivating himself from sleep just isolate like isolating himself and- yeah and trying to get like the voice down and the laugh down and stuff so just imagine working at that motel and you're like walking past his room and you just hear this dude laughing like With the that. cackling laugh yeah, and you're just, just like, like all right because <laughs> you know I mean? he was a, he was known to be a method actor mm-hmm. if i remember correctly yeah Definitely and see, th- this kind of goes back to, to the whole premise of this stuff, right? The meaning mm-hmm. behind these characters, right? And I think, or just the meaning behind the entertainment and how these char- the characters themselves then infuse the story with meaning. Yeah. And someone like the Joker, which makes a medium like comic books being shifted into multiple genres so interesting because these characters have so much depth, but they're yeah. built on a simple premise. Yep. <laughs> and, yeah. and so then when you take someone like Heath Edger, who is just a master at the craft to dissect these characters and then embody them, it, it, it makes you beg the question is like, if you have a character that is so dark and without devoid of meaning, right? Like mm-hmm. his meaning is not, does not have one. Yeah. And <laughs> to, to, to have someone then play that character, it's almost begs the question is like, is that okay for someone to do? Because it's, Right, like I mean, it's it's, it's scary sounding. Yeah, it's definitely like a thin line, you know what I mean. Method acting in itself is like, yeah, it's kind of a dangerous game, you know what I mean. But I feel like, like I mean, Daniel Day Lewis too. But continue, Dan, oh, probably one of the yeah. probably the best pure actor of our generation. That dude is just yeah. I don't even know who he is. 
you know what I mean? Like it's weird. To, like I only know. You his can't character. think of his face. Yeah, like I like I just think. I think of, of it as Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, you you just picture all his characters. You don't picture him. Like how does he even sound when he talks? You know what I mean? You don't know because he does such a good job of just becoming who that character is. He is an amazing actor, but um, I digress. But just I feel like when you really kind of sit down and anyone, not even just acting, but like anything that you're really passionate about, you kind of methodly do it right. Mm-hmm. So like. You, you you're channeling part of yourself through the thing you're doing, right? Yeah. Be it music, being acting, be it writing, or any yeah any form. Yeah, like you become whatever it is that you're doing. So in that in that sense, these actors they're like, all right, I have this character, I have to become this character to do it justice. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I like being something like the Joker. Or like um, I think Will Smith does it to a lesser degree, but I know he did for this movie Seven Pounds. Okay, you've seen that when he was like he was dealing with depression. It was a little while ago, right? Like. Yeah, it came out. Was it around Pur- Pursuit of Happiness? Era? It was a couple years after. Yeah, okay. Was, I want to say like. Oh yeah, I do like vaguely remember it. Now. Yeah, yeah, good movie. It was. It's, I mean, he was playing a suicidal character, so it's kind of mm-hmm. tough to watch. But yeah, it's just a sad movie. But um, he method acted for that movie, and like mm-hmm. afterwards he was dealing with depression because like, you know what I mean? And, he, I mean that makes sense, right? Yeah, like and, when you put yourself in that headspace. Yeah. You kind of can't expect to come out unscathed because yeah. you can't perform something if you don't actually feel it right <laughs> so it's i mean it's it's tough but i mean props to them to one be able to hit that level of like hit that type of flow state to mm-hmm. act like actually become like it's hard to say like are they just playing this person or did they actually become this person you know what i mean and mm-hmm. some of those cases i feel like no like heath ledger actually became the joker like yeah. in those scenes like that was who he was you know what i mean i, I would even say like for bane for uh, Tom Hardy, Tom Hardy yeah. like his performance of Bane, like I didn't even realize that was who it was. Yeah, because he looks so different mm-hmm. compared to all the other roles he's ever played. Yeah, and just the voice doesn't sound any like yeah. the whole demeanor is like not even remotely the same. Yeah, and I think that's why, for me at least, I think that's why I get so attracted to these stories. That unfortunately, the, the mean, and maybe you agree with me, but when when it dances around these dark themes and kind of doesn't hold any punches about how dark the world can be. It's almost like the sometimes going into the darkness is what is required to find the brightest light. Yeah. hundred percent. And I, and I think, I think that says a lot about society where in this world where we're, we're kind of, a lot of us are coddled and we have this thing where everyone's like, you can't say things around me because you might trigger me and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, it's like, why am I more attracted? Like, I feel weird being attracted to the darkness sometimes yeah. because I'm just like, yeah, let's just let's just go all the way in and yeah. see what comes out. Like, you, like I'm not, like, I'm afraid of it in a sense, but it's almost like I want to inoculate myself yeah. to it because if I expose myself to the hard truths, then I'm more likely to be able to come out the other end if I do ever experience something right. as horrible, even if it is through media. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it enables you to like a level of realness. You know what I mean? That you can't achieve if you're so focused on like only the good things the, or, the rose colored glasses yeah, like it's just that's not how stuff is so that's why i'll say i don't know if i want to shit on this right now okay fuck it <laughs> i don't know i don't know like okay so this third season of stranger things i didn't like that much okay still good it was still good i thought it was better than season two see i really like season two. really okay yeah but 
I liked where season two went with like kind of diving into Eleven's character more. Okay, and that yeah, so that was kind of the redeeming quality there. But season three, I was just like, even though it was more gruesome, I guess is a word. Mm-hmm. Like there were, did you watch it? All? Yeah, I'm done with it now. Uh, yeah, yeah, so it was like more gruesome, so to speak. And I felt like they were wanting to get really like, you know, like down to the grit. Mm-hmm. But I still felt like it was a little lighthearted. Get, granted. The main characters are all, you know, what, 15, 14 years old? Yeah, they're that. like teenager-ish, yeah. like 12 to 14 or yeah. so. So it's like, okay, I get it that it's not going to be like a Sons of Anarchy. I'm not expecting <laughs> that, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not expecting that. But I just, the thing, I, okay, this was a specific scene and I was like, that <laughs> fucked it for me. It was one, <laughs> like, it, it was fine. And then I was like, that just really just ruined everything. I think I need to watch it again. But mm-hmm. when uh, Dustin and his girlfriend were singing to each other, Yes. I was I like, know exactly. what the fuck? Like, I was She's like, like, you gotta sing to me. Yeah. And then he, I was like, why? Like, I, I just didn't get it's it. It's the comedic yeah. timing of it. It's yeah. supposed to be juxtaposition. Yeah, and like this Disney... Yeah. Just Disney jokes that come in, and it's like, is that really necessary? Like, I get it, haha. It was funny, it was cute, whatever. But like... <sighs> it, it, it undermined its whole... Everything that was going on, it was so intense. Yeah. And then they throw that in yeah. there. It literally just takes... I- Literally took me out of I, it. I agree, one hundred percent. I think the the real reason I I I think the real reason now that I'm thinking about it too a little bit more is the real reason I like season three is it felt more just like the pacing was better. Yeah, where it was kind of like boom, 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 mm-hmm. and you wanted to keep watching. Yeah, like the way they ended each episode was kind of like original Game of Thrones. Yeah, where it hits you with something, you're like, oh shit, I want to find out what happens like now. Yeah, but I gotta wait a whole goddamn week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. and in season two, it was more narrative driven. So you're trying to like, it's like it's more narrative driven. You gotta digest it more, yeah. like in your head. Mm-hmm. Which now that I'm thinking about season three is. You still didn't get a lot of what is going on, like, world-esque yeah. side of it. Like, yeah. you don't really learn any more about the Upside Down. You never even see the inside of the Upside Down that time yeah. or this time. And so, I don't know, it doesn't really add to the quality of the world other than now there's a new player with the Russians and stuff like that. And yeah. It's kind of And weak. they didn't really get into the Why? characters that much more. You yeah. Know I mean? And I felt like it was important because I felt like they were trying to show how they were growing up. Mm-hmm. And some of those ideals they had as kids were falling apart. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm trying not to spoil anything yeah. major, but you know what I mean. Obviously, they're growing up. They're. I mean, that's I mean, yeah. how shit works. <laughs> so that's gonna be season three. Me. They're gonna be season four. So yeah, it'll take like two years per season, kind of thing. Right. So they're obviously getting older. So I feel like I liked that they were showing that, but I felt like it needed more. And maybe I'm just selfish because I feel like I'm always saying they needed more. <laughs> like you know what I mean. I'm always that's like your more. that's like your normal critique for these things. Yeah, it's like, like it they just more. needed to show me more. <laughs> yeah, like show me more. I need more. You know what I mean. And like. But at the same time, some sometimes less is more, but sometimes you need a little more. You know what I mean? Like, give me that much more to, like, get to know. Because, like, the last time we've seen these kids was, what, a year? If it wasn't a year, it was two years ago. Something you know like what that, I mean? yeah. And they were younger, and now there's new things coming up, like certain characters are in relationships, and, mm-hmm. you know, they're grown up, and these kind of things. And it's like, give me a little more of what's going on than these, like, little quick tidbits of like two seconds between kinda, action or yeah and like this kind of throw more or less throwaway dialogue that's like does that really serve more of a purpose rather than to say like oh they're having preteen problems and then that's just it you know what i mean like 
yeah, a little like, more. Like half of the adult on. stuff was kind of like, oh my god, preteen problems. Yeah. And it's like all this background angst that doesn't get de- dealt with until like the end. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, well, that was stupid. Yeah. And it's just like. I'm trying to be vague enough because so, it's still kind of recent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so not it's not to say, like, I'm not trying to shit on it. It was still a good season. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? I still rate it. If I had a, out of 10, I would give it like a 7. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, so it's not bad by any means. Definitely watch it. But. Um, it was just, I guess my hopes were a little high from the last season because it was, mm-hmm. like you said, a little more narrative driven. Yeah. And I think I expected more of that. Um, and I f- a big critique, I think, is they kind of pick and choose certain characters to... To, like, carry the yeah. torch, Yeah, so which speak. goes back to what we were saying about Avengers, how they have to pick their protagonists yeah. and kind of go with that. And I can see that that's what, what they were doing, but... It seems hard, like, when you have so many characters... Yeah. on screen like you have all the kids there's like what five of them yeah and then you have three adults four adults kind of yeah so it was almost like this this time around too it had like two stories yeah and that kind of just like met at the yeah end. it was yeah. weird i because I, like i was kind of watching it and my dad was watching it and then like he got a couple episodes ahead and i'm like this is weird i'm like it's like two stories being told in parallel yeah and i was like this seems like defeating its own, like, cause you like follow one story and you're like, Oh, okay. And like, now I'm invested in this. Yeah. And then you go over here and you're like, Oh, now we're back to the kids. And I'm yeah. like, how do these stories even connect? Right. And they <laughs> do at the end. It was, it was good. It was, I see what they're trying to do. Yeah. They were like, let's tell, let's separate them and they don't have to all be together and stuff. And it was cool. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely a swing. Like yeah. it's not a normal narrative to yeah. have. <laughs> yeah. So needless to say, still excited for season four. Definitely, oh yeah. Definitely hundred percent going to watch. Definitely. Um, but yeah, I think like all this is to say is that even though I may not have agreed, it's not like I'm this fucking guru of, you know, I'm not John <laughs> Truby, you know what I mean? And yeah, right. like, So like my opinion doesn't really matter, no. But like at least what I can appreciate is at least the writers and the directors were trying to do something mm-hmm. and they were trying to do something different and there was a goal. Yeah. Um, Something more than just like, let's just do this like sci-fi stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, okay. <laughs> like, it, it- and I will say, I will say this is you can tell that they've kind of had some sort of brainstorm. Once they knew season one was good, I think it seemed like they kind of said, "How long do we want to take this?" And it seems like they have some sort of longer narrative that they're kind of painting out. Now. Yeah, because it doesn't seem it doesn't feel like oh shit, it blew up and let's keep going. Yeah. Kind of, you know, that kind of like story mm-hmm. where yeah. something gets big and like, well, like, I guess we should just keep going with it now, even yeah. though we don't have an idea. Yeah. It seems like they finished season one, it kind of got big and they had like in the background, they're like, well, what if it gets big? Here, is there more we want to say? Mm-hmm. And it seems like they've kind of put the work in to kind of have the storyboard. At least here's the narrative we want to say with these different characters yeah. and the the mythology of the world and how they built it. To yeah. kind of keep the story going, that it makes sense between seasons, right? So, just a little background into <laughs> kind of from the screenwriters' world. What there's this document called the Show Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually just finished mine. I wanted to have Nick help me make it pretty. Anyway, <laughs> um, it's called the Show Bible, and that's kind of what you give to producers who you're in pitch meetings with. Mm-hmm. And basically, what it is is it kind of outlines not just that first pilot episode or even that first season, it's the show as a whole. So you break down pretty much every part of the show. Mm -hmm. So in a part of that show Bible, you there's this part where you're supposed to put in potential future seasons. Yeah. So for like, I saw, I have, um, Westworlds. I have seen Westworld show Bible. That's cool. Um, 
I think it's the real one. It might be someone just made one, but when I saw it, it was before season three was announced, mm-hmm. and now season three is either out or going to be out. I it's don't know. Announced. They only showed a trailer for it. Okay. Yeah. So, but I've seen that, and so in the show Bible they have, there's three seasons in there. Oh, cool. Um. So, and I have actually I have Stranger Things too. I think it was called Man Montuk. Mantuck, Montuck. Was that like the? Yeah, that was the original name for it. Mm. Um, and I forgot what the log line was, but it doesn't matter. But they had in their show Bible, they had several seasons like planned out. Yeah. So usually shows will say like, all right, here's what it could be. Mm-hmm. But like, we have to see if it does well before right. they're going to approve. Pilot. Yeah, season two, <laughs> three, or four. And like Handmaid's Tale, which is my second favorite show right after Breaking Bad. And it honestly, it's pushing Breaking Bad to be my favorite show. That show is unbelievably amazing everyone needs to watch again it. another adaption from a book that was done right yeah <laughs> oh dude they so good and it's not over yet so like i have to say my entire opinion but yeah oh so good um anyway but that just got approved for next season but i know like obviously coming from a book they had more seasons planned out you mm-hmm. know what i mean right it's i think it's a little bit easier it's easier and harder to kind of plan from a book yeah into and you know there, there's a gifts and curses for all these adaptations yeah. one way or the other yeah because you got to do the original fans justice <laughs> yeah you know what I mean? exactly you got to make it new at the same time that's not easy no it's definitely not it easy. sounds daunting a little bit <laughs> yeah it's kind of scary i mean you got to know you yeah gotta, like, know the world the lore and all that especially for something like game of thrones with like how complex that oh my god whole the world is i mean lord of the rings is another one yeah and it's like <laughs> it's actually kind of crazy <laughs> you know what i mean for but, sure but yeah, going back to the, the show Bible, it's like, as you were describing it, you could definitely see how that show Bible could have existed from uh, Breaking Bad, for sure. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. if you just kind of look broad scope of it and be mm-hmm. like, okay, here's the dotted line between each season. Here's, like, the broad story of each season. Yeah. And, like, you could just do an outline of, like, you know, season one. Here's mm-hmm. the main points. And then yeah. break those down. Here's season two. And yeah. it's like. Where's the, you know, the, every transition between each event and yeah. how the story just kind of unfolds as yeah. the whole story. That's really cool. I, I think that's, I think that's like one of the things that people need to think about more, more often when any, creating anything mm-hmm. a little bit is kind of like how, what is the story you're trying to say? Right. You know, or, or even it just like if you journal for yourself, right? Like just thinking about a topic that you've done, yeah like anything that you've experienced can be like a page of writing. And I think just learning how to say that in words yeah. and then encapsulating it so you learn, like, wait, what lesson did you learn from that? Right. As just your own way of getting through it? Because I think it's really easy for us to, like, look through our life and be like, well, it sucked. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you could, like, look at it, like, either good or bad. It's kind of a paradox that I kind of ran into the other day. I was kind of thinking about when you look at your life and, like, at any moment in time, like, if you think to the, this moment right now, you can kind of stop and be like, how the fuck did I get here? Yeah. Right? And it's weird. It, exactly. It's, it, it feels weird and yeah. it feels like you shouldn't be here. Yeah. In, in some way. Like, how do I have the job I have or the skills that I know how to do? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you think about the, the accomplishments you've had or the people you've gotten to meet and you're just like, what the hell? Why me? Yeah. A lot of times. It feels yeah. very imposter-like. Yeah. <laughs> it's eerie, man. It is it's eerie. It's so weird to think about, like, I mean at this point four years ago i was still at school yeah you know what i mean weird <laughs> like it's just it's weird to think about it's really cool though and it's kind of i feel like that's a part of like meditation and stuff mm-hmm. to kind of like I, I i'm not someone who can just sit and just do it like my meditation comes when i'm doing other things and yeah. i can just kind of like it, it comes a lot when i'm at the gym that's why Same. I really don't like talking to people at the gym <laughs> some people don't get it like alex <laughs> get it like she'll try to talk to me i'm like 
yeah <laughs> i'm like she's like are you annoyed i'm like i'm not annoyed i'm just like somewhere else right now you know what i mean you're, like, like, you're in my zone yeah like yeah. i'm just i'm like in in a zen of yeah. sorts no i totally agree with that because like that was kind of my my way of doing meditation for the longest time before i started getting in these other areas with it because i was like oh yeah that is what i'm doing my brain is shutting off because like mm-hmm. my coworkers don't understand it they're like yeah. like i'm like if i'm working really long i'm like i might need to leave and go grab food or go to the gym and like have a reset they're like to me, going to the gym does not sound like a reset. I'm like, it's like, you just got to do it long enough and you'll understand what I yeah, say. Like, yeah. like I can go run, like, especially running for me is like, even if I'm not like pushing the pace or something, I'll just put on like music, mm-hmm. especially like music that I've listened to a lot where I'm not, I can't, I don't like, I know the words so well, Yeah. but it's like, I don't think about the music as much. Right. And so it's then just it, it just puts me like in a meditative state because it's like, I resonate with the songs. Mm-hmm. And so then I can just kind of work through thoughts. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. If, yeah. Just personally, I can't sit and do that. So it's really cool that that's possible to be able mm-hmm. to just kind of zone out even while you're actively doing something. But it's important, especially when people go through, are just going through really anything, you know, yeah. I mean? especially tough times to be able to like, be able to, you know, put everything separately, think of everything in your life separately and be like, all right, this is how I've gotten here. And just like kind of mm-hmm. be present, I guess, is a way to describe yeah. that. I mean, I think that's a really hard thing is because in modern society, we're always so used to being like, well, what's the next thing I got to do? Like, yeah. what am I eating next? Or how many plans do I have for today? Or like, you know, yeah. <laughs> there's so many things that like take our attention away, not counting the cell phones and all the apps and what's the, whatnot yeah. we use now. It just kind of clogs our brain. It's like, mm-hmm. you got to learn what it, it kind of goes actually it really fits nicely into this whole meaning category that we're circling around with like why it's so important to have a point with what you absorb yeah. in, in any genre and that being said is if you're just taking in something you have a finite amount of information in your brain that you're going to be able to take in in a given day right you, you've probably felt this before where you just feel tired and drained and you're mm-hmm. just like i can't focus on yeah. anything like it could be someone talking to you it could be reading a book it could be listening to a new song yeah and you're just like i could listen to this right now but it's just not going to make any difference because yeah. i've already done too much for today yeah, you're not even listening yeah <laughs> <laughs> and so you got to really i think you just got to be super mindful about the quality of the things that you take in because if you're just going to take in garbage you know you're not going to be able to do anything with garbage yeah. you know it's like making a cake if you <laughs> use rotten ingredients then you're not gonna <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not gonna, gonna be, be a good cake right <laughs> yeah. it's important you gotta yeah definitely i feel like not enough people realize that yeah where you sorry to cut no, you're, you off no but, you're totally fine um like you try to force you try to force the issue you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's like and i'll speak from the creative aspect but like it happened to me more so when I would go to write music mm-hmm. where I'd be like, no, I have to get this song done and put out a trash. Well, mm-hmm. not necessarily put it out, but, but finish a trash verse. By your perspective. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, man, I should have just stepped away from it. You know what I mean? It mm-hmm. t- it's actually a skill. I feel like to know when you should need to step away from something, you know, like know when the proper time between mm-hmm. if you're just being lazy or if it's like, no, you need to step away. Yeah. You know what I mean, cause there's a fine line where you can, if you're always like, no, I need to step away. Okay. So, you're not actually doing anything. You know, you can't always be away from something. It's like, no, you're just procrastinating. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like, there's a point in time where it's yeah. like, all right, man, you got to try to do something. So it's a fine line, but it's, I think it is a important skill to have to know when you're either burnt out or need to take in new information yeah. or something like that. And it's, it's important, man. It really I, is. I, I try to, I, I, this is one of the things that I'm like super mindful of now 
that I'm done with school or just kind of being, cause it's like, it's so easy to be at work or something and be like, Oh my, I got to get all these things done and get as much as I can get done every day, right. you know? And I think it's super easy for you to get so carried away that it's like, Oh, I got I barely got anything I wanted to get done today kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, you have to take a step back a lot of times and be like, you know, there's always going to be more work. Like, yeah. you know, it's like, never going to go away. It, it's <laughs> never going to go away. And it's almost like a weird thing about being a human where we have this burning desire to do things in mm-hmm. whatever category, right? Where yeah. like, and it's not everybody has the same drive to do things, period. Right. But like you, we all have to do something. Yeah. And that's very strange. And then that causes us all these problems mm-hmm. with our own mental state yeah. and how that reverberates outward and yeah. whatnot. And it's, it's really interesting to kind of think about that. It's like, everything you do is revolves around your thoughts first. Like, and if your thoughts are in a bad place or you're burnt out, then how you interact with the world mirrors that. Yeah. It all <laughs> just revolves around each other. You know yeah. I mean? It's really strange. And that's, I don't know. I think that's why this idea of this creating something that makes people think mm-hmm. is, is so, it just resonates so deeply with me because it's always been like, the thinking has always been part of me, but it's also what gets me in most trouble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah curiosity, no point, no unintended. Yeah, I know. The cat, you know what yeah, I mean? like, because <laughs> yeah. because your thinking can get you out of problems, but it also creates demons as well, especially yeah. if you're in a bad place. And like overthinking is <laughs> yeah. really bad. You got to know when to turn it off. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely. I mean, even just even from someone who say is naturally a lazy person, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. One thing I'll always say is, like, I want you to go as long as you can without doing anything and tell me how long it lasts. Because eventually you're going to be like, fuck, man. <laughs> like, you can't just, you know what I mean? Like, say you're just Because lazy turns into boredom real fast. Yeah, and it's like, dude, you can only not do anything for so long. So that's one thing I say. And then the second <laughs> thing is, like, coming from more of an active point of view is, like, what I've always, what I strive for is to make something. Mm-hmm whether it's music or uh, like something on the screen or whatever, Mm -hmm. that someone can be in a funk in whatever sense, whatever, you know, that I'm kind of trying to relay at that point in time. Like a a mental block? Yeah, a mental block or like say you're burnt out on something or Mm -hmm. you're going through depression or like anxiety, whatever Mm -hmm. it may be that I'm like whatever barrier the purpose. Yeah. Yeah. But like can like can watch or listen or whatever and see and like get inspired in some sense or come out of that or help them to come out of that funk. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. I'm sure it has, but um, the most recent thing I can think of was watching Bohemian Rhapsody mm-hmm. um, for the first time a couple of weeks ago. I don't think this was necessarily the point of the film, mm-hmm. but something I got from it, I was like, damn, like anything's possible. I don't know. It was weird. It was like a weird kind of connection I made. And I was like, I just felt like I needed to do something. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was really weird like how i came to that connection it's just Mm -hmm. by the end of it i was like it just fired you up somehow yeah i think i realized that life is short Mm -hmm. seeing his life and the way they kind of did that movie it seemed real kind of like snaps you know what i mean kind of like snap points Mm -hmm. in the time of queens uh like rise and rise to stardom you know what i mean um but it was just like oh life is short like i have to do something and at the same time whatever that something is is more than possible Mm mm-hmm it was a weird connection. I don't know if something like that's happening. No, I mean, I mean, I really resonate with, I collect quotes now and a lot of them, I, I have a whole list of them and it's a lot of it's about staying present and stuff like that. But, um, I, I, one of the ones that really resonated with me from actually a book, uh, written by Dan Brown, it's called the lost symbol. And the, the, the end of the book, 
I barely remember like the the plot of it kind of thing, but like the end of the book was basically this character who was like searching for wisdom and he had all these tattoos that were like ancient wisdom things and mm-hmm. he was trying to find the lost symbol that was supposed to go on the crown of his head and then mm-hmm. once he figured out what this lost symbol was that would create uh, an apotheosis which is like becoming a god kind of mm-hmm. symbolism and the the story ends is that these are just symbols and it's not about like inscribing something on your your body or you know some sort of arcane power that these things would give you or what you believe in it it was it's the the, the end of the story was basically the way you become because he wanted to be immortal that's why mm-hmm. he wanted to be a god he's like the way you become immortal is by sharing your story with everybody else or mm-hmm. having an impact on other people the the way you live on is through the stories that either other people tell about you or the how you affected someone else's life in a positive way, hopefully. Right. And, and I was like, Oh shit. Cause I remember, like I read this, I don't even, I think it was in like high school or something when I first read it. And it was always like one of those things I'm like, Oh, that's what immortality is. Cause like I had started reading already by then. And so I was like, Oh yeah. Cause like you read history books and you see names of like, you know, such and such was the person who worked on the atomic bomb or right. was the first person to live on the moon yeah. or land on the moon, <laughs> not live on the moon. But, um, <laughs> like you, those are the people, like those people are immortal yeah. for, you know, for lack of a bet, like they're not really immortal, no, but yeah, what they represented is immortal. Right. And so they will live on forever. Like they will be in the textbooks and history books and now Wikipedia. And <laughs> yeah. you can have a page on those people. And that's how like storytelling is like the biggest thing. And like how you influence those around you or those that matter to you. And this is not to say you have to be popular right. in any way. It's like, who are the people that you want to make an impact? Mm-hmm. That could just be your friends and family. Right. And then that's just it. Yeah. You know, and then, but regardless of how small that is, how you interact with your friends, like the closest people around you, that reverberates outwards. Yeah. You know, and that that's just really like the ripple effect of like connectivity and then just kind of putting it out there. Mm-hmm. That's like my new thing is kind of just like not being afraid of what you're interested in. Because it's like, I kind of always... I used to feel like I was just weird. <laughs> Still feel weird. Everyone's weird. Yeah, I know. I mean, I just I was just felt like an outcast more than anything else, where I just didn't know how to articulate things in some way. And and one of my friends, she she, she I told her like the story of how I couldn't really read growing up, like mm-hmm. I couldn't have re- reading comprehension. And I had a teacher who said, "You don't have to read what everyone else is reading," because we had those scholastic books with the little mm-hmm. numbers in the corner. Yeah. And so it's like you got to read for your grade level. Right. And I was like, "Well, these are boring." <laughs> And then it was, like, right around there, my dad bought me my first, like, adult thriller novel. And I started reading those at, like, in fourth grade. Jesus. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it, like, flipped a switch. It was like, oh, I can read anything I want? Yeah. I don't need the teacher or someone to tell me what I can read? Mm-hmm. And that, like, just from there, it was just game over. Because yeah. I started reading that, and then that turned Lord of the Rings and whatnot. And she's like, wait a minute. You've been training for, like, doing this stuff since I was, like, little. Yeah. Like, I'm the only one that could create a thing like this because I just have this weird tendency to just absorb information Yeah, at all angles. <laughs> and so I was like, what? I'm like, I never thought of it that way, but it seems like it makes sense. Yeah. And so it's kind of those strange stories that you don't realize because you're too close to your own story. Yeah. And that once you tell, like, say it to someone, you're like, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> it's like finding the job that only you, uniquely you, could ever fill yeah 
if that makes sense. No, it does. Yeah, <laughs> that that thing exists for every single person. Yeah, there's always something that's like, yeah, no one else could do it. Someone else may be able to do it, but no one else could do it that way. Yes, but you, you know what I mean. I feel like that's when people say like, oh, what's my purpose? It's not like this like. Grandiose. Maybe, whatever. You can have your faith. I'm not trying to shit on that. Yeah. That's a whole other conversation. It is. <laughs> we, should, we should just have a purpose conversation one day, and we just... We need Joe in on that one. Oh, for real. Yeah, that'd be a good... And probably Nick. I feel like Nick has a lot to say. Nick, Bugle? Uh, Bugle, yeah, yeah. That'd be a cool yeah. conversation. That would be a dope one. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> We're just making more yeah. conversations <laughs> at this point. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, like, everyone... Like, I feel like kind of what molded you as you went through, which... I may or may not be predetermined but like just stuff like how you went to your reading thing and then you found the books and then you're like oh shit i can read whatever the fuck i want you just kind of yeah branched off from there i mean especially for a story like me it's like you know if you would if i would have told you i couldn't read like comprehend what i was reading until i was in fourth grade everyone would be like what the fuck yeah like what are you talking about yeah because i read so much now and i yeah. and, like you'd, you'd fall out of your chair because you're like wait you had trouble reading yeah, like <laughs> when i was young up until Maybe halfway through high school, I didn't like rap. What? Yeah. No, no, very select. Right, yeah. Very select. I feel like that's how everything starts. Like, you kind of, you like wade in, like maybe with a baby toe or something, and you're like, "Mm," like, and you find the one or two songs you like. Mm -hmm. And this feels like anything, right? Like, you find your your entry point into something. Yeah. And then you do it long enough, and all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, like that, 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 that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, I don't think I would have, like, I think the little, like, that started the spark. Mm-hmm. For like screenwriting was taking rhetoric of cinema in high school, mm-hmm. but you didn't realize it was going to evol- no, evolve back, into. <laughs> I took that class because it was someone I forgot who it, was. it might have been Dan Tracy. I don't remember. Someone was like, "Dude, there's a class where all you do is watch movies," and I was like, <laughs> "Fuck yeah!" Like, say no more. Especially at that point in your life, you're just like, "Oh yeah, like I'm just going to watch movies for class. Let's go." Yeah, I'm like, like, dude, I don't give a fuck. I'm like, that's a, I'm like that exists. I didn't. I thought he was kidding. I'm like, what do you mean? You just watch movies? Like, yeah, you literally just watch movies. And I'm like, no, seriously. Like, what's the class? He's like, you literally watch movies. And I was like, why do not more people take this class? You know, and I was like, what the fuck? You could literally have a whole period where you're just like. <laughs> the whole time chilling. It was more. There was more to it than that, obviously. But I mean, at the bottom line, it was like, yeah, you watch a movie for like a week and then you talk about it. What? <laughs> like you know what I mean? It's like crazy. Wait, back like what you just said. We do that now. Yeah, and we literally. post it on the internet. Literally, <laughs> and it's like who, whatever. And so that, I think that started the spark. And he and so I remember the teacher, Mr. Zerby. He said in the class, he's like, we should reach out to him and see if he wants to come on the podcast. He probably would. Um, I don't have Facebook anymore, but I had him on Facebook for a long time. Anyway, uh, I remember the one thing I took from that class is he's like, you guys are all be assholes <laughs> after taking this class because you're going to go see a movie and from taking this class, point out everything and people are going to be like, dude, shut up and just watch it. You know what I mean? And like, <laughs> I feel like I might have said this to you before. Yeah. And people said it to me all the time, like, shut up and just enjoy it. I'm like, I want to, but <laughs> like, I, can't, I can't, you know what I mean? Like John work. I'm like, I, it's not like I like want to not like it it's just i'm like yeah it's just like shut up dude it's good fine it's good whatever that's what you know i mean but you being critical of it made me write the article that i wrote about it with the mastery right because (laughs) because i think when you understand it with those layers you know me and nuance are best Mm -hmm. friends yeah so (laughs) the the the, being able to go find that and then share that like i wrote it because i thought you'd enjoy that more and be able to enjoy the movie more and in, in hindsight then but it also adds layers because it builds respect 
and meaning behind what it means for the people that are part of that, right? Yeah. The stunt team behind it and mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves and whatnot. Because that guy, that guy is so humble. Yeah, it, he's very different. He's a cool guy. He's yeah. just like the like epitome <laughs> of like you're just cool. <laughs> like, yeah, you're just like, a dope dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I just wanted like he's like kind of the guy you like you could probably like if, if you didn't know who he was would be really hard. Yeah, if you saw him, but if you just like hung out with him and like somebody like maybe you were blind or something, and you just hung out with some dude and you'd just be like, oh yeah, he's just a good dude. Yeah. Like you wouldn't, and you're like, oh yeah, by the way, he starred in like he's some in, of the biggest movies yeah, ever. He's and, in the matrix. Yeah. What? what? <laughs> it's crazy. Crazy. So I feel like that article you did like made me have more respect for Keanu Reeves than I did. Not that I didn't yeah. respect him before, but you know what I mean? Which he doesn't need my respect, but point is like, I was like, oh wow, that's so dope that like, he went through all that. His version of method acting was like, Oh dude, d- yeah. didn't even connect that. But yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. He was like, no, I'm going to become this militant like machine. You yeah. Know what I mean? He's, and, he's crafting his body because that's what it takes to be an to actor be, in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, so it's really cool. It's just, I don't like action movies as it is. So that's me. Yeah. I get it. You're very narrative driven yeah. for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So that's why I don't, I try not to project and say like, you shouldn't like that movie. Yeah, I'm just saying I don't. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like, dude, have like what you like, dude. Like, whatever. yeah, I think that's one of the, your your skills that you've really developed over the last probably year or so. Is like before you'd be really strong about like what you don't like, like mm-hmm. country. You're still really strong about not yeah, liking that doesn't it. Yeah, work. <laughs> <laughs> that's just. But like for the most part, almost everything else, you're you're pretty much like, yeah, this is not my flavor. Yeah, like you're you're really like conscientious about not being like you shouldn't watch it it's mm-hmm. unless it's really really bad yeah <laughs> like don't waste your time yeah <laughs> like, then you'll say that but it's like you're like eh, just not my flavor but it was still good like yeah. here's maybe a couple like if you like action movies then you'll like it like yeah. that kind and of I'm thing i'm sure if you like action movies john wick is probably like the movie oh, to yeah. see. <laughs> you know what i mean like if you just want to be blown away and just see some sick stunts with yeah. with guns go for it yeah and there's times <laughs> that i do want that you know what i mean there's times that i really don't want to you have to overthink. I, you know, I and, feel like that movie, like in particular. So, it, like this is the opposite end of that meaning spectrum of things, yeah. right? That's the kind of movie you watch with a friends. Get like grab a couple six packs, mm-hmm. order a pizza, and just throw it on, and you're just shooting the shit yeah. with friends. It's almost like white noise at that point. Yeah, and it's kind of like wow, that was sick, and then like yeah, you, know, you keep going. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a, like I said, time and place for all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not you can never say like no, you can't. Like, that's why when people, people always get on rap, because, like, oh, they only talk about money, cars, and da-da-da. I'm mm-hmm. like, why are you so mad at people having fun? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? like, what? like, why is that such a bad thing? Like, I never understood that. I'm like, yeah, maybe you don't want to hear that all the time, but, like, why can't that dude party? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it, like, half of these pe- like, half of these people making these songs are 20 years old. I'm like, what were you doing when you were 20 right. years old? Uh, partying, drinking, <laughs> driving, and wanting nice cars. So why are you hating on them? <laughs> like, so that never made sense to me. I'm like, yeah. dude, just let them, if, especially if that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Is it that surprising they're going to make songs about what they're doing? Right. You know what I mean? I'm like, just there's a time and place for everything. Just let it be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You don't have to like it, but you can't say it's, there shouldn't be rap. No. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or well, whatever you, genre. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's almost like it kind of goes back to this generational thing. Like, we, we hear as the millennial generation all these broad paintbrush spectrum of, like, millennials are X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, really? Like, come on. Yeah. Like, that is the, so journalist and, like, painting the picture. Like, we're, you know, we're all needy and yeah. we're all, you know, we're expecting a handout yeah. and we're soft or whatever. It, like, 
it's just like why why is it necessary like for so it's like you alienate the the people that agree with it are already are part of that group they're already like they don't even care because they're a lost cause yeah and then (laughs) yeah they're already convinced and then it's like the other group and i'm you know, maybe we are part of that. I, I think we are in general. We're, we're, we're pretty self-productive and trying to push the boundaries in, yeah. in our own way. And, and it just kind of says like, okay, so you, you cut off the group that's already a part of that. And then you say all the rest of us that aren't a part of that, you know, like you're saying before, is that everything's a spectrum and mm-hmm. uh, Nate's podcast. And like, it just seems so stupid. I just don't like the broad brushing of anything. Yeah, you can't put <laughs> everything under one umbrella. You know Especially I mean? when it's, like, born. Like, yeah. <laughs> you, you can't. And that's why, I mean, we don't have to get into it, but that's partly why I don't like politics because it's too much yeah. this or that. And I'm like, nothing in life, what, whatever in life has been this or that besides, like, survival. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's either, like, eat or don't. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so survival is either you stop the thing that wants to kill and slash eat you or you have enough food to eat yeah. And then you have somewhere to sleep. Yeah. That's literally the simple. But outside <laughs> of that, those trivial things. Yeah. Nothing with the in human experience is ever this or that. Yeah. Like in um Man's Search for Meaning, I think it was, um, Joe brings this part up a lot, which I find super interesting, how he was saying there was uh um a doctor there who, you know, you know, when the camp was liberated, you know, the the mm-hmm. prisoners were like, No, don't don't kill him yep. or whatever. You know what I mean? They didn't like, want to turn him, him in. Mercy. Yeah, because yeah. he showed them kindness. So, like, it's even... So, in that sense, even saying all, you know... All Nazis, Nazis are bad, right? That you know, the Here's one that wasn't. And <laughs> The logical fallacy there, right? Yeah. Is, like, if you are a Nazi, then you are bad. Mm-hmm. And then you throw in this example, and it's like, oh, well, that deserves right. so like <laughs> a reevaluation. I, yeah, everything needs to be understood for what it is. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And just take it in each instance and say, what is going on? right here or who is this person or whatever and kind of figuring out even if you're talking about people which is what i like most about telling stories is kind of making characters and making interesting characters Mm -hmm. it's because there's and this is real human experience too but everyone their life leads them to what they are i don't know Mm -hmm. if i said that as nicely as i wanted to but you know what i'm trying to Mm say um life experience makes you who you are today so and it it's continuously, it never stops because you're always, you're always, you're, you're always, always experiencing something. Yeah. And so you're always changing ever so slightly until now you look back, like we were saying earlier, looking back four years and like, damn, like I was a stupid kid in college just wanting to drink every day. And now, I mean, maybe I still drink every day. <laughs> no, <I'm just laughs> but for saying, different reasons. Yeah, for different reasons. No, I don't drink as much as a joke. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, you know what I mean? So like it's always changing and just being able to put that into a story. Mm-hmm. I think it's so fascinating because it's that's real. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now it's obviously, and you know, I'm not taking 20 years to tell this story. It's you know, it's happening in two hours or however long. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a real thing, and so you can't you can't look at someone and say that person comes from here, so that makes them this. You know what yeah. I mean? No, it's not that simple, man. Like this person can come from here, but you know, had all these other things happen to him, and this person can become whatever. Yeah, <laughs> anything. Yeah, literally. <laughs> like you can like come Jay Z, right? On, you know I, mean? I mean, I especially those kind of people, man, who who've come through crazy adversity and through a time period where they had really little options to make it to the position that they got it at, and then it's like you look at them, you're like, holy shit! Like you, especially too for us, like you see them, they're already at that level, right? 
And then you like read about their personality. It's like, oh yeah, they grew up here in the projects, and mm-hmm. they they barely had any money. They their mom worked like three jobs yeah. and whatnot. And you're just like, wait, what? Yeah, it's like how did <laughs> how surreal is it? It's like, like what are the odds, right? Yeah. And you just I don't know. It it makes it's like awe inspiring because it's like, oh, if he can do that, and he had all these things going against him, then. I might as well try, yeah. right? Because we have way more of a safety net to to catch us when we fall, mm-hmm. and you know we can try again. Yeah, and at the very least, you know something interesting about that. I fi- and this is I wanted to write an article about this. So I haven't figured out how to say it. I think you just sparked it, but <laughs> I saw you react. <laughs> yeah, there's always I've always had this thought where it's like everyone says, "Oh, this person came from nothing, and they could they could have ac- accomplished that whatever the goal was." Right? Mm-hmm. I feel like part of what made that will or that ambition so because strong is because. Yeah. So it's a like, direct precursor or reaction, whatever, mm-hmm. from their To cause and effect. Co- yeah, cause and effect. Whereas someone who comes from a more comfortable environment, since they're comfortable, doesn't have that sense of urgency. Yeah. Where he, you know, Jay-Z, for this example, might have been like, I have to get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? He's like, no matter mm-hmm. what. I know he was a little older by the time stuff yeah. started to materialize, but still, he was like, I can't do this forever. Mm-hmm. Where someone who, like, lives in a nice house, you know what I mean, has a lot of stuff given to him and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Not saying anyone specific, but just in general. Yeah, just painting the picture. Yeah, it could just be like, yeah. I can coast. I'll get it later. Yeah, I'll yeah. get it later. And it's like, you know what I mean? So, like, it's just weird to think about how someone that comes from a worse situation can leapfrog someone who comes from like a pretty good situation. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Like if you, if you draw the sports analogy from that, like the, uh, the, the sports analogy, and we'll wrap up here in a second. Um, the, is like the gifted person who like starts a sport and they're really good for early on mm-hmm. and they don't have to practice as hard and stuff like that. But you can take like the mediocre kid who like loves the sport and he practices all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be the specific sport. It just can be just practicing, period. Yeah. Over time, the person who puts in more work is just going to get better, period. And yeah. then where the raw talent and skill is just going to be like, oh, never mind. It's going to mm-hmm. be, you know, you still got to work at something. It's not to say that you can just, you know, try something half acid and yeah. <laughs> and it'll just work out for you. Mm-hmm. That, that's not the case. Yeah. The thing I like <laughs> is uh, hard work beats talent when talent don't work hard. Boom. I love that. Yeah. It's so like, yeah, dude, you can't argue that. <laughs> you know you definitely mean? can't. I mean, look at the people who epitomize that in mm-hmm. the top of our top of the games right now. Tom Brady. Top, <laughs> him. You look at Kevin Hart. Mm-hmm. You look at The Rock. Jason Momoa. Who else we got for music? You say Jay-Z. Yeah. Um, J. Cole. Yeah. There's a lot, man. There's, there's a lot. There's a lot of people to look for for inspiration, yeah. you know, and and just people that put in the work, you know. My two favorite things right now to say is conquer your inner bitch. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> conquer your inner bitch. Like that. <laughs> that's that's for working out because it's like when I feel like do, giving up on runs or something, I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah, don't give up. No, no, no. Yep. You're like, you, whoever's that voice inside the head, you're going to take a baseball bat to him and <laughs> yeah. yep. break his ankles first. And, yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the other one is earn your shower. Yeah. I love doing that one because like in a world where we where most people wake up and take a shower before they even did anything, that feels weird to me. Hmm. I don't know why. I like that. Earning your shower is such a simple thing, but I think if you can earn your shower every day, like if you if you sweat enough to that you need to take a shower, I think you did a good job today. 
I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. I never heard that before, but I like that one. Those are my, like, my two mantras right now for keeping myself in line. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I like that one. So this is a good one, man. Yeah. So I know you got to get out of here. So mm-hmm. as always, more than enough to talk about. And it seems like we spawned probably a couple extra conversations out yeah, of this def- one. As always. <laughs> Every time. Alrighty. Peace. Peace. I want to take a quick second and talk about how you can support our show. I believe this is the most honest way that I can connect with you, the listener, and put it in front of everyone. You can support our show for as little as 99 cents a month. We release four podcasts a month, all at an average length of about an hour. That means you are supporting us at just 25 cents an hour. That's that's cheaper than the dollar menu. I think it's safe to say that we provide more value than that. And if you learn anything from our content, please consider becoming a supporter today with the link in the description of any episode or on the website at feedingcuriosity.net. And with that, thanks for listening and please enjoy the show. You just listened to an episode of Feeding Curiosity. Thank you all for listening and tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a like, subscribe, go check out the website over at feedingcuriosity.net and all the other things that we're doing there. And once again, thank you all for tuning in and we will see you in the next episode.